Hi, it's Phil Swallow. This is my podcast, episode 106. Uh, It is Wednesday, the 2nd of March. I normally kick off with a jazzy musical intro and talk about my kind of life this week, but I want to do a different episode this week and I want to sort of dedicate it to what's going on in the Ukraine uh, and also how how the world has reacted. I hope you'll join me and join with my kind of ramblings maybe but just wanted to talk about what's going on and uh, you know I've got a bit of a platform here I guess it's one of these things that plays on your mind uh, quite a lot even if we're not watching news it's sort of with us in our heads and I think that can be a bit you know troubling sometimes nothing like as troubling as those who are you know in the in the face of it so this episode is called it's episode 106 it's called Ukraine the world supports you so let's get into it so whether the Russian machine likes it or not, this is an invasion. Uh, apparently, you can already get into a lot of trouble in Russia for calling it anything other than a special military operation. And that almost kicks off the tone for just how bad this is. Completely unprovoked. We saw that the troops were building up um, a, a serious percentage of the overall Russian army, actually, and other forces. They've been, you know, mobilising Navy and, you know, Air Force and so on. Uh, so we knew what was going to happen. He's been building this up for years. And, uh, you know, they made moves just about a week ago, week last Thursday, 24th. A date which I'm sure we're all going to remember going forward. He's gone in there and the aggression has started. Some of the things that are emerging are quite interesting because, you know, you, Ukraine have, have been kind of kicked around a bit over the years. Uh, I'm going to make a few references in this um, episode to... Second World War, which is a subject I've researched quite a lot, but and we probably noticed this anyway from their magnificent response. It, it feels that the, the Ukrainians are much closer to a Western way out, our outlook on life than the former Soviet side. And I know that in the Russian speaking areas that they kind of invaded first that there was almost surprise that they expected to be greeted as kind of liberators. Uh, and they weren't. Quite the uh, the reverse, the opposite. And that almost should have set the stall out for what to expect after that. There's been this convoy that I'm sure we've all seen on the news, sort of 40 kilometres, is it, or 40 miles even, convoy that's not really going anywhere. We're hearing from the Pentagon officials and apparently they've been very accurate with their security record the um you know there's sort of covert you know digging that they do that there's been russian troops surrendering that putin's in a rage and you know those around him are probably having to go along with it progress hasn't been what he's wanted this is an invasion this is a kind of war that's in the guy's head um he wants the good old days quotes of the soviet era and I think almost I, I detect my personal feeling here is that there's there's a a fear factor that he liked. He kind of you know that was that was a big thing for him. The might of the Russian machine. We've seen all these you know red square parades outside the Kremlin and whatever. But the the kind of mandate that he's been pushing out, you know, the justification for this is that Ukraine is is run by neo Nazis. Um, there's genocide going on. Uh, there's you know, they're a nation of drug dealers and all this kind of thing, and that they obviously need to overthrow the president who, let's face it, has been an an unbelievable human being. 
in what he's been doing in that country. And and that kind of ties into, you know, if that's what the Russian people are being told, and within that we assume the Russian military, then when they're sort of being hit with javelin grenades and Molotov cocktails and other fire in the streets, they're probably thinking, hang on, you know, we were expecting flower petals to be thrown or whatever, like Liberators and the images we've seen from World War Two, Paris and the like. No, sorry, mate, because the reality is that there's a way of life that the people in Ukraine have experienced that they want more of, hence their moves towards the EU membership, uh, NATO and all that comes with it. The USSR way of life that still exists very firmly in the rather puffy-faced and head of um, Vladimir Putin, uh, he's been called many other things in the last week, uh, is, is not somewhere that most of the Russian forward-looking and peace-loving people want to go to. And they don't get it. Now, just this morning, I've been hearing about the media controls in Russia. So they've shut down, I think, almost all independent news sources now. So you're only going to get the media that the state-controlled guys are pumping out, which is this, you know, we're doing a special operation, there's no invasion. I think you can get in serious trouble if you use the word invasion. And then I, I make probably the first of maybe a few trips back to World War Two. So rise of the Nazi party in the early 30s, National Socialists um, and Goebbels, you know, making a name for himself as a propaganda minister. They started to do this thing where they put these radios, made them available to even workers. I think that was all, not, not workers that were even, but, you know, even the worker types. Uh, working class uh, would be able to afford this cheap radio that was designed to put out propaganda and it was quite successful in doing that I mean it did broadcast radio uh, music and entertainment and that kind of stuff but it was primarily a propaganda vehicle put it in every home and you get your message across if not there it's through any other media I mean you know we didn't have the luxury of the different types of media that we can consume nowadays that's because we've got rid of the war and we've moved on in life Mr Putin so this was the way it was controlled then, and this is the way that the ever-isolated Russian guys and, and the, the leaders uh, are, are trying to push it now. And I don't think that the Russian public are buying it. I read that just under 6,000 have now been arrested for merely doing a peaceful protest in the streets across Russia. Navalny has just come out this morning, he somehow got a message out from his prison cell via his Instagram account, to talk about a need for kind of uh, marching into your square, wherever that may be, at 2pm every day and making a stand. And I'm sure that's available online. He seems to want to go back to that whole kind of Nazi way of doing things to make out that the crimes that are being committed are the reason for you to go to war when, well, those crimes aren't being committed. The only war crimes are being committed are by the, by the Russian troops at the moment and the, under the Russian leadership direction. That's the justification for war that the Nazis used throughout their campaign. Thankfully, as history to has told us, you know, Hitler was a terrible leader after a few early successes in the Blitzkrieg. He just, he couldn't stick to one thing and he wouldn't listen to people. Uh, you know, Putin's completely unhinged. Uh, I, I heard someone say, well, more than one person say in the last couple of days about the fact that he might have a terminal illness and this is all, you know, almost the last kind of thing that he can do. I don't know. We don't know. We'll, we'll never get close enough. I know that he has extremely high protections around COVID and the like, and you've probably seen on the news those ridiculously long tables where all the generals and leaders are at one end, and he's almost in another building. It's so long. 
at the other end. I mean, it's laughable. It, it, it honestly looks like some parody that's been set up on a, co- a comedy program on, you know, Saturday Night Live or whatever. But the response from the the sensible countries and the peace-loving countries, basically the rest of the world, has been absolutely amazing and humbling and heartwarming, clinging and trying to find some kind of good message in, in all of this. But the response has been amazing. I kind of think, you know, we've, we've had these uh, to-dos with, you know, North Korea over the, the recent past. But, you know, they still compete in the Olympics. You know, they've got a, they've got a seat at that table. Um, and actually, I'm not aware that we have any issues with drug abuse, which we do, or, you know, doping that we seem to get still with Russia in, in whatever guise they have. But the response in terms of sanctions, I must admit, I'm probably not the only one that thought, well, OK, yeah, they're going to apply these sanctions. But, you know, companies... Com- Countries, so excuse excuse me for any unnecessary wording there, but I'm trying to say countries have been issuing sanctions for many years, and they do have an effect, but it may be not as front, centre, and urgent as you might like. But what we're seeing now is becoming quite quick in its action because I think it started off with the more traditional sanctions, trade related, that kind of thing. But you know, last night when I was um, on the way back home from uh, from being out, picking up on some headlines, and I just saw that Apple no longer going to sell products over there. I mean, that's a big deal. All sorts of technology companies have joined uh, in with that. You're not going to be able to download apps on the App Store that relate to Russian media controls. There's oil tankers are not doing deliveries. There's oil stakes in oil companies that have got investments in Russia are being divested. I think every day there's going to be a whole host of new items on the list. We've got the sporting world standing up, quite rightly so. You know, why should we allow them to compete in whatever guise? Just shouldn't. Simple. You know, there's the isolationism is probably going to be more than it might be from North Korea. I almost think it's going to be the island of Russia, virtual, and people won't want to cross into it. Now, I hope that the war doesn't develop in such a way that Ukraine is absorbed into that. and We just don't know where this is going to go next. The whole kind of preservation of peace, you know, the the joining together from the West of the world, and also, which I think is so powerful, traditionally completely neutral relations and countries like the Swiss and the Finnish, and even Germany through their constitution, they've been able to make some moves to support what Ukraine are doing. Japan have come out. You know, I saw a quote earlier that China wants to see that there's a, a kind of a resolution to the con- you know, conflict and uh, well they might be able to apply some pressure there too sanctions from their side perhaps but you know it, it will hurt the Russian people and one can only hope that by them being hurt they get galvanised to do something about it in terms of some kind of uprising that could be awful it could be powerful problem is free speech is banned in Russia and you know if, if you dared to tune your Joseph Goebbels radio to uh, a a distant station that might pick up the BBC or whatever, it was punishable by death in World War II. We almost rule nothing out. You know, there's countless people will be thrown in jail for for years and probably eventually executed. The ones that have been opposition MPs to, or potential opposition presidents potentially, uh, in Russia have, have been generally assassinated. Navalny being the one who survived, thankfully, in prison for however long and uh, 
hope that he can have some kind of future. I'm afraid I don't know the name, but there was a great report on James O'Brien's show on LBC earlier that I occasionally dip into, and he had John Sweeney on there, who's a brilliant reporter from the front line. They were talking about the, the guy that was really proposed as Boris Yeltsin's guide to take Russia forward, westernise it even more maybe, but it'd still be Russia, it'd still have its identity. He was assassinated, he was one of the first to go. And you just think, the loss of life in World War Two. And the peace that we gained on the back of that and, you know, UN and NATO and all these kind of peacekeeping, generally, organisations, was that for nothing? Did we do this just so that someone like Russia could do what they've done now? That's why I think we need a kind of multi-pronged attack. We've got this fierce resistance that I know the Ukraine, you know, army... So armed forces, special forces, plus now increasingly the, the men between age 18 and 60 will will deliver to defend their country. You know, that's one angle. We can supply them with arms if we can get them to the right people and aid, which is important. And obviously, the you know, the open doors that we've seen from the bordering countries, Romania, Poland, some of the other countries, unbelievable. Again, this is this strength in a peaceful European nation and Western nation. People are contributing uh, just now on question time. I didn't watch all of it. You know, there's an official fund that's going to be launched that we can contribute and the government will match the money. So that's something that um, we we can support. Ursula von der Leyen said yesterday in the European Parliament, the peace is priceless. This is what we're defending here. And I think this is why some of these nations have come in from a position of normally complete neutrality to now say, actually, we're prepared to support this, whether that's through sanctions or finances or, you know, providing some kind of home for people who are, you know, being being displaced, that they can support it. In late 2019, I, um, my mate Chris was uh, my guest on the show. He'd just come back from Chernobyl. Chris is a great photographer. And as part of that, they'd done a a kind of guided tour of Kiev and it looked wonderful I must admit as soon as we saw that and saw Chris's photos and hopefully the links are still live I'll do some work and if you look for the show notes that are attached to the podcast I'll put some hyperlinks in there also if I can find the the link for the government donations I'll put that in there as well it looked a fantastic place and it had that kind of classic European feel to it like we've seen in well Sue and I have seen when we've been to some great European cities in our travels and it was on the list. You know, this was where we'd like to go there. And of course, now we've got this crazy situation happening there, this invasion. And I'm going to keep calling it invasion because that's exactly what it is, Russia. And I don't care what you say or how you dress it up or how you spin it with all that nonsense because you're you're fighting a war here. We're, we're, we're not going to let this happen. And as I mentioned earlier, we'll no doubt hurt people on the ground in Russia that don't deserve being hurt. Hopefully that will form some kind of resistance and uprising against it. You know, if we can get an, a, a result from the fighting on the streets, if we can get a response from the continued sanctions and squeezing and isolation measures from all peace-loving nations, and if possible, if possible, something happens from within where someone close enough to Putin can, and I don't think it's going to be words, I think it's going to be actions, can actually say this is too much this is hurting all of us it's benefiting no one except this guy's head and his warped understanding of what he wants out of life in russia
So I like to think that the game's up for this guy. Maybe not straight away, but hopefully very soon. And that something can be done. Combination of things, actions causing reactions, and that we actually get a resolution that, that will see peace in the future, in the near future. And he doesn't seem to understand NATO either. I know NATO had been involved in campaigns on a peacekeeping basis in the past. And lives have been lost. Blood has been shed. But this one, I, I don't hear anyone saying, actually, you know, Russia are right here. And if there were any crumbs of that, wouldn't there have been support as soon as they did cross the border? Wouldn't they have been seen as liberators? Because we're not seeing this. Because they've gone in firing guns and missiles and ridiculous weaponry. I thought, how could I structure this? And it's quite difficult. So it's ended up being a bit of a ramble. I put a little note out on my Facebook page last week when this first came to light, because I think I wasn't the only one who had that kind of inner feeling of concern. I think we've all got it. We're probably looking for certain good things to come out of the news. It might be a long haul, and we need to brace ourselves for that. But I think as long as we can keep providing support to the Ukrainians in whatever way, else, way shape, or form that happens... I think we're hopefully going to see, anyway, a uh, good resolution to it. So let me know what you think of this. I as I say it's something I don't normally do. Uh, I'm happy to do it again if there's any <laughs> reason, benefit for that. It's just my thoughts. I just want to put something out there on the record that records my thoughts of this almost one week on because I just think it's something that, that there needs to be some kind of discussion about. So... I'll end it there. Thanks very much for listening. Feel free to contact me, by the way. Uh, I'm available on all manner of social networks, mainly Phil Swallow, sometimes Phil Swallow photo video, Phil Swallow photo, Phil Swallow pics. You get the theme here. It's Phil Swallow. You'll find me. But yeah, look after yourselves. If you ever want to chat, just call me up. We'll have a chat. I'm, I'm completely honest about that. It's good to talk. I kind of, I'm disappointed that was an advertising slogan some time ago, some time ago for BT with the late Bob Hoskins, but uh, it is good to talk. It gets it off of your chest, off your head, puts it somewhere else, and that can really help. So, you know, let's not let these things build up. I'll end there. Thank you very, very much for listening. Episode 106 of the Phil Swallow podcast. Hope to speak to you again soon.